0: Hello and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching nearly 800 comedians and counting over the last 45 years. Wow. My guest today is the wonderful compound comedian, Mr. Math Brown. Oh,
1: yes, thanks. Hello, welcome. How are you? I'm very good, man. I didn't realize you'd seen 800 comedians. Wow. Yeah, since Isn't the that... 70s. Geez, I bet you got some great stories oh, to you. Well, they're me. all in
0: the blog. The the, yeah. um, the the first one I ever saw was uh, Les Dawson with the fam- <laughs> with my mum and dad at Scarborough and uh in the same year we saw tommy cooper which was incredible yeah and I, and I just got the buzz for it so um anyway never mind them thank you so much for doing this i'm delighted yeah. you're here and uh, we're going to um talk for about an hour if that's okay about sure. your comedy career so i'd like to go way back to the start and ask you how did you de- how did you become a comedian please <laughs>
1: yeah good uh question really rich it's it was something that i always wanted to do um i just didn't really have i didn't really have the knowledge or anything anything to say you know So i was about 30 and what actually happened was my career went into football uh i played professionally and then i broke my ankle and then i went into coaching and that took me right. up to about 29 30 years old yes yeah, so I, I was got to quite a high level i was managing in um singapore's s league right. um so it was like yeah it's a professional league and uh i'd spent 15 years trying the hardest to get that job and then when i got it uh, i loved it but it didn't last very long is it doesn't in football you and then so a year, about half a year into the contract, I got sacked, which meant they've got to pay off the rest of the contract. So it's, in a way, it was a bonus. So Basically, I came home with some money that meant I didn't have to work for about 18 months if I didn't want to. And at that point, I went, I don't want to be in football anymore. I want to be a comedian. Didn't have any idea how to do it. Didn't have any clue. Just went, I've been to the comedy store. I loved it. I remember going to the comedy store at 19 and going, I want to do that. Wow. You just never had the, the chance or the ability, because football's very serious, and if you seem yeah, to yeah. do it, so, but now I had the chance and the opportunity to to start doing that. So then, what I did, um, being a little bit scared of it, I suppose. What I did do is I went on a course. I went on a, uh, Hills Jago's Amuse moves course. Yeah. Um, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, it was a complete, it was almost overnight that I'd found my calling in life, which sounds a bit wank, I appreciate, but it was all of a sudden I went, oh, oh, these this people is are like me. This is what yeah, I they, love. <laughs> these people think the same way as I do. Yeah, these people yeah. are, are desperate for other people's attention. These people have got massive egos. These people want to make people laugh. Yeah. And all of a sudden I found a whole new world and I went, oh, great. And then I sort of looked at it from, uh, I looked at the uh, industries and an analytical point of view. Right. I sort of went, um, Hang on, sorry, Rich. Dog barking. I'll be too sexy. No, you're
0: all right. Okay. Lovely dog.
1: Yeah, she's very cute, but she's very naughty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so to go back to where I was. Um, so yeah, I just went. Like, How do I do it? So then I went on his course, and I loved it. Logan Murray was a teacher, yeah. and each week it was every Saturday. So each week, you had to come back with a new bit of material that you would worked on, and I just that thrill of seeing if this is going to work or not. And when it did, it's was instantly hooked, instantly oh, crazy,
0: hooked.
1: So then I looked at the industry and went, How, what's the quickest way to become a professional comedian? I spoke to Logan and a few others that I knew, and um, it seemed very apparent that nobody wanted to compare. So basically, if you're comparing the night, you're stuck in that one club. So if you do, for example, Top Secret in London, or Comedy comic store in London, you can't do any other gigs at night. You have to stay at that room. So if you're doing a... Yeah, you can do up to three, four, five, you know, possibly six if you're out and in a night. Um, but that was becoming harder to get anyway until you became established. So I went, okay, well, I'll be a comp there first. So then I opened up my little gig in Kingston, uh, up on Tem School outside the Box Comedy Club. And that was every Monday. So every Monday I had a deadline to come up with a new ten minutes. And when you were when you're new you've got no idea what will work. You don't know your voice. You don't know how to say it. You don't know um, what, you don't know anything about tone. You don't know anything, <laughs> you know, there's so many things. You're just so green and you just don't even hold, hold, hold a microphone. Um, but it gave me a chance to have as much stage time as I wanted every Monday. In front of a crowd of you know at least uh, fifty people each week, yeah. what I would do is I'd then I'd pay for a, a headliner to come over out my own money because it, it was only like two quid to get in because I wanted to encourage people to come. Yeah. Um, so then in, each time you spoke to a different headliner each week, you try and get a bit more advice, and then you, you kind of have to use that networking thing. I, I, I'm going to send uh, back at a uh, comedy club an email. Can I say that I've worked with you? You know that sort of thing. And then within about, I would say, eight months to a year, I was scraping a living as a compere. Right. You know, you were doing a lot of gigs, but you do a lot of the crap gigs, the mirth, and, you know, the lesser paid gigs. And then eventually when you get into the bigger clubs, then you become in demand as a compere. Now, the problem with that is that they don't want to use you for anything else. They only want to use you as a compere because they know you're good at it. It's not until you then have to sort of fight back a little bit and say, well, do you remember when such and such was was 40 minutes late and I had to fill that time, that's me as a comedian, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, but we need you to, in case that happens. So it's a very thin line to sort of cross, really. So you've got to be careful with it. So my advice to anybody is if that's the way you're going to start, make sure you do sets everywhere you go as well. Um, cause it,
0: so,
1: yeah. Yeah, because 15 years on is still only, uh, Comedy Store will still only book me to compare. Wow. Um Yeah,
0: hey, it's... Hey. It's interesting you say about amused moose because mm. uh, I I went there to do a half day writing course for my blog, and it yeah. was run by Hills Jago. And, oh, okay. um I went there with a load of other reviewers. They wanted all to be reviewers, and they came to me and I said and I said I'm not. I don't believe I'm a reviewer. I'm not a critique. I'm not a diarist. I'm a member of the audience, and I'm ha- and I'm out to have a good time. And the blog is designed to be an enthuse for all the wonderful heroes. That I, in my mind, that I think can go out and do it. You know, it's it's and it's just taken off. They they helped me enormously um, with um, the style of the writing and the way that I should approach it. They really liked the enthusiasm, mm. um, and I think certainly if you're going to be a comedian or a compare,
1: they're a very good way of getting in yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. And its is you'll get work quicker as yeah. a compere if you can do it you'll always have work
0: Yeah.
1: because um, it's like I say the, the better you get the higher up you go the more yeah. you'll be in demand of those clubs Um, it's again it's just and it's it leads to other skills so yeah. basically being a compare quite a lot I've got well i sort of accidentally fell into TV warm-up um, purely because the booker was in the audience of one of the shows and they yeah. came to me do you do TV warm-up? And I said, yes, I've never done it before. I went, yeah, yeah, loves. I went, oh, okay, do you want to come and do Loose Women? <laughs> Which I, th- I thought was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, maybe, no, they need
0: a warm up yeah so it's, a li- <laughs>
1: it's a live show we've got 200 people there every day so do you want to come and do it so I went and did there's about 6 or 7 of us all went and did 3 days each wow it's wow. like being on, on a trial as it were
0: yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and me and another guy uh, got the job and we basically just did every other day between us and it was the trouble with that is it's, it was so well paid that you didn't have to do anything else if you right. didn't want to so creatively I, that's, that's, that's not the word is it creatively but creatively yeah. I was I was sort of stopping pushing myself to get to the next level because I was comfortable financially. And it was it was fun, and it was um, daytime, so it meant I had the rest of the night to myself if I didn't want a gig. Um, and then what seemed to be happening is I just wasn't pushing on. I just sort of plateaued quite oh, okay. heavily. And then then I became known as a warm-up guy, and I was getting offered loads and loads and loads. And then it, it was a bit of a weird... Um, uh, sort of rumour about me that I was just a warm guy when realistically I'd only done about five or six shows, i have just done one consistently, Wow! Um, you know, now I still do the warm up for Mock the Week and every now and again I get, oh, I get news for you but I don't do anything else now, um, you
0: so, know, it... so, um, the comedy club outside the box, was that, <laughs> was that your idea, did you want to create a comedy club, have you been comparing solely that for the last 15 years?
1: No, what Yeah, well, there's a few questions there. Uh, I didn't I did want to have a comedy club because when I was at university, I went to Liverpool John Moores in '98. Right. Uh, and the comedy scene in Liverpool literally only just started. There was only one club, uh, it was called Rawhide. And um, I was used to going to loads of comedy clubs in London. I used to go to what was called Big Fish at the time, um, which yeah. were all in the area that where my clubs are now. Um, so that was the only option. So the only, the only problem with that is that we say only had one Cobbly Club, they'd only have the same axe. So every other week it'd be the same axe. So after three weeks, I went, oh, I've <laughs> seen, and they didn't change what they were doing. You know so the
0: routines.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it became infuriating. And then I remember thinking as I was watching this, I'd know. Idea that I was actually going to open a comedy club because at the time I was still in football. Right. Um, but I remember just taking little bits of each thing, and thinking, that's a good idea, that's a good idea, that's a good idea. And then when I opened mine, I sort of got all those ideas together and it just worked, you know, it just worked really well. The room, more than anything, you know, it's not necessarily me going, this is how we want the lighting, but the room itself was, was perfect for comedy. It is a
0: perfect room, the Kingston. Absolutely, like, yeah, Fights so you Cox. So
1: it's good for that respect. Um and it just sort of happened by accident but then I, I i had no idea that 15 years later i'd still be running it it was purely for me to get good at it and become a professional comedian and i've since sort of stayed loyal to it because a lot of things i've got in my career have actually stemmed from that gig right so, so working with Vic, Veeves, Vic Reeves and bob mortimer that came from that gig because wow. the bloke that was in the audience uh, who incidentally, he wrote the theme tune to um, Strictly Come Dancing with his business partner. Right. His, his business partner was married to the producer of Vic Reeves, uh, Vic Reeves uh, and Shooting Stars, basically. Wow. So they hooked us up for meetings and she said, do you want to come do the warm-up for Shooting Stars? I ended up writing on Shooting Stars. So And everything that's um, everything that's come in my career, you could trace it back one way or another to that gig in Kingston. So that's why it's still there.
0: Wow. I first saw um, Reeves and Mortimer on the Big Night Out tour in 1990, Wow! and uh, Les, uh, who was a wonderful character, the the, doc- the mute doctor, yeah. uh, walked on, there was a stepladder on stage and he had to fish for loaves, and uh, <laughs> if he caught one the audience went bananas. <laughs> really? I, I, I I always remember sitting watching Channel 4, Big Night Out, thinking, I've got to watch the end of this. This is incredible. This, right. this is, and, that, and I've been a fan ever since. I think they're just magical together. Both. Of
1: yeah. Them. Oh, yeah. then it's such a delight to work with yeah. as well. Yeah. Because I mean, Bob's very, very giving. Yeah. Uh, you know, because so basically, what what would happen is, you know, the true forces on shooting styles. Yeah, true yeah. false, I always ended up writing quite a few of those, and what would happen is, in the downtime in the recording, instead of just trying to keep the ball rolling, I sort of included the audience into the show and sort of said, well, what we're going to do is we've got 50 of these true or forces. I'm going to read them out. If you find it funny, it might go in the show. (laughs) Nobody told me to do that. That was just me trying to, A, get my jokes on the show, and B, feel the time as a warmer. And Bob would come and listen. Bob would come and sort of almost stand next to me and laugh along with them and again and then next thing you knew, it was in the show. So uh, it's also about taking your chances. But Bob Mortimer Mm -hmm. is the funniest man in the world, by the way. Those, Those days before the show recorded, I've never laughed so much in my life. It's just, it was... I mean, I pay to be there.
0: I so, saw um, Shooting Stars live with the Fast Show. Yeah, 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 I that was I saw, amazing. I also saw, I was at a recording of Shooting Stars at BBC TV, and I was on the front row, and I was laughing so hard. Matt Lucas uh, couldn't continue. <laughs> <with the recording. laughs> I and mean, it's, it's just wonderful when... <laughs> I love spontaneity and and you never know what you're gonna get next and all the no. rest of it. and they're just wonderful at doing that. Very um, true. So, to date, what has been your best and worst gig?
1: Ah, well, best gig, just um, be like it's hard to put your finger on just one brilliant gig. There was a couple of milestones, I suppose, and it's the I supported Greg Davis once at um, wow. St. David's Hall in Cardiff, which I think is about three wow. and a half thousand people. And it was breathtaking. It's a beautiful theatre. So when you go in and you look up, you just keep looking up and keep looking up, and keep looking up, and they just keep going. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And a wall of laughter just bang, hits you in the face. And it was, be 20 minutes, what would normally be a 20-minute set probably lasted about eight, nine minutes, because if the laughter was, there's so many people basically, yeah, yeah, it was bang. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember getting about 12 to 13 minutes into it, I just sort of stopping and looking and it would have been 15 seconds but it felt like a <laughs> lifetime and then my knees started to tremble a little bit <laughs> so oh went, mate oh, that's
0: fucking hell that's and
1: brilliant. i really really thoroughly enjoyed it and it was one of those ones it come dawns game. on
0: you though yeah like, god there's so many people here
1: absolutely and then the one also my favorite one of my favorites was when robin williams the you know the hollywood star came and played kingston oh man, it, it was phenomenal it was uh, i was sworn to secrecy that he wasn't coming down and this was a time when the, the club had really taken a big spurt of um a lot of famous people coming down to try stuff out secretly yeah so mm-hmm. people were paying. i think they're paying three quid to get in and the bill on this night particularly this was about i don't know t- t- maybe eight years ago was I was comparing uh, Zoe Lyons opened. Wow. The, the middle section was Armageddon Lee, Al Murray, then Robin Williams. Wow. And then and then Jeff Norcott had to close it. And Jeff Norcott was, uh, his agent said, he just, he, is it all right if he just turns up just for his stage time because he wants to go and watch <laughs> AFC Wimbledon play? And I couldn't tell him why. I said, he tell him he needs to come. I said, yeah, I know, but he's a big Wimbledon family. wants, to... all right, but I'm just tell you now, he should come. And as. <laughs> As Robin went. <laughs> he, well, he didn't. He didn't. He as as Robin was walking out, Jeff walked in. Wow.
0: Oh went, mate. Oh no. Yeah,
1: I, I said to him, like, I told your agent. Oh. I told you, agent. Um, Oh, I bet I, he
0: was gutted.
1: I think yeah, I don't know, but I think it's still a nice story for him. Mm. But it was so fun when I introduced Robin. Um, you I know, that was
0: incredible.
1: Well, I went on after Al. Um, and Al, bear in mind, Omid had done 10, Al had done 25. And then I said, look, we've got one more act in this section. He's American. He hasn't done stand-up for a while. He's just trying to sound it again. Please welcome Robin Williams. Just like that, just nice and casual. And the audience went, oh, yeah, it's going to be a character or something. Fucking he <laughs> Fuck And they just went, they went I went, absolutely. couldn't do anything. couldn't say anything for about wow. two, three minutes. They were just screaming, shouting. I've never seen I'll get goosebumps now. Talking about it, getting reactions. It's incredible. And then one bloke was so excited, he just kept shouting Jumanji. <laughs> 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 I was going, Jumanji, Jumanji, Jumanji. <laughs> and had to go, yeah, yeah, I was Jumanji. Let, let's move on. And he did about 15 minutes. Wow. Was,
0: I, I, it, I bet that was incredible.
1: It was an amazing experience. Yeah. And yeah. it was one of those ones where it didn't fully hit me really till about a week later. The yeah. next day, he was on Graham Norton and they found out that he played my gig and said, Can you come and be in the front row? Wow. <laughs> And they, they made up a story about someone being bumped, which was never the case, but we just went along with it. And oh, um, and then Robin, brilliant. yeah, and then Robin went, so we're was talking about Grandma, how did you know about that gig last night? And then Graham <laughs> pointed at me, and Robin went, oh, hello, Maff, and came, gave me a big cuddle. And it's like, yeah, it just mates of... It... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robin
0: that's Williams, fantastic. B- best of mates, yeah, that yeah. I, yeah, so that, I uh, there, there's a section in my blog called the ones that got away right. and i've listed 25 comedians who i would have loved to have seen and robin williams is one of them yeah i, bet, I mate, did I, bet. I, I, I did get to see steve martin wow. and i got to see bill hicks and bill hicks was incredible mm-hmm. um they were, they were both good steve martin's my favorite comedy film actor But Robin Williams, you see the specials on HBO and all the rest of it, and it's just extraordinary. He was one word and he was flying. You know.
1: It just be, had this energy that I've not seen since.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was
1: just, I mean, obviously it was a, a real presence because of who he was, but it, the fact he was still have to do the, do the job on stage. You know yourself, Rich, when you, you know, when you, uh, like these little gigs like ours yeah. and J- James, as you see someone famous come on, and you always go, wow, someone famous, yeah, but yeah. You, better be, you better be funny after three minutes, because otherwise you're just famous. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, and they have to walk on, and I would give them a minute. And they have yeah. to be either original, um, something. Uh, 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 they've got to be funny, if nothing yeah. else. You know, they've got to tell a funny line. They've got to have a great story. Or they've got to be original. You know, it's as simple mm. as that. But, but it's, like, diffi- it's
1: difficult for them because they yeah, are... Yeah. They, they get judged quicker than I was. You know, and it's, it's understandable because we know you're famous for being funny. So be funny. Because of course, a lot of people don't understand that to be funny... Can take three months of work and gigs to get up to the routine of the level that they want it to be
0: yeah, at. Yeah, so it's difficult Bob, to watch. Bob Monkhouse always used to say, uh, people used to go up to him and say, um, "You're a comedian, tell me a joke."
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, you, you <laughs> get you that like, a lot. It's like, well, you can't be funny all the time. It's like me doing this. I can't go to a comedy gig every <laughs> night. Even for me, that's that's full on, you
1: know. No, it's true. It's you do get that a lot, and that's why I tend not to tell taxi drivers what I do for a living. (laughs) Because it would would just be (laughs) tell tell us a joke, or I've got a joke for you. So they're either way, they're they're bad.
0: Yeah, (laughs) um, you
1: going on to my worst gig ever. Yeah, go on. Do you want me to go on that? Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay, so uh, well, I'll keep it brief because it was horrendous, but basically it was at Tellington Arts Centre, which is, if you don't know it, it's a massive, massive church. Right. Huge church uh, with the highest ceiling you could possibly imagine. Um, and it's t- uh, the worst space ever for comedy in the world. <laughs> And because it was, it's a massive, massive space, but because it was so big, they'd only sold like 12 tickets. So they thought it'd be a better idea to space them out as much as possible to make it. And it just, all the dynamics of comedy was totally wrong. To be fair to the other comics on the bill, they did all right. Right. I was, I was sulking from the minute I got there. And um, it was my fault, totally my fault, not their fault, but it was just enough. You do that thing where you start talking yourself out of the gig before you yeah, got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so and then when I got there, I was like, "Oh God, this is terrible." <laughs> so and it was because I wasn't experienced enough to go. Well, they're still here and they want to enjoy it. No, it, was just more, it yeah. yeah, it was more me going. Oh, I thought this was going to be like three hundred people, and so again, it was quite early on. It was about two, two or three years into my career. And but, I think, true...
0: but I think experiencing something like that, it is all about experience. The more yeah. you do, the better you get.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's that's that was what was happening for a while to be honest with you because again it's when you get a lot quite early which i did you know for, within two years i was auditioning for eight out of ten cats and yeah. uh, you know i was almost you know i went up to edinburgh with phil mcintyre and did the pleasants for my first this you are sort of almost told oh you're good at this you're really special you'll be fine and you start believing it a little bit and yeah. it's that's the worst thing you can possibly you, do you just
0: plow plow you don't plow on as though it's a it's a it's a Mundane job. You, put, you, you enthuse and carry on and go right then ne- we've got the next one now that the past is in the past we've got the next one what more can we do i can imagine i can imagine yeah yeah i
1: think i think the problem with me is because i was 31 32 33 i just had in my mind i haven't got much time for this because you know as much as i do uh, the televisions for the young people you know so yeah. to get the youngest through so i knew i only had like two or three years to get this mastered otherwise i was going to miss my chance yeah, so yeah. i was just getting frustrated with Myself more than anything, but I wasn't working hard enough as well. It's the same thing as, well. as soon as I got loose women, I took my foot off
0: the pedal. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk to you more about outside the box comedy club because I, yeah. I um, uh I was interviewed for this blog, uh, and they said where would I like to be in ten years' time, and I and I said to them I'd like to possibly open a comedy club up in Carlisle, which is my home city. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm based in London. I work in London. Um, but um, uh, how how did it come about? How do you go about booking the acts? Um, how do you go about? Are you free range to put on a night whenever you like? Describe. Well, more yeah, about with it for place.
1: yeah, sure. Well, with Kingston. Um, yeah. That was a. I've never run it before. I never did anything before, but I, I managed to convince the bloke that I knew what I was talking about. Um, what I had done is I had been when you do that course with heels. She's quite canny in the fact that she, she tells you it's best if you come to her gig in the evening. She doesn't give you a free ticket. You have to buy it. So she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Um, but it did mean I saw, you know, nine professional comedians that she'd employed. So already I had nine names that I knew that if I was going to go and start a comedy club, they're the nine that I could pick from. I know what they are. I don't know how much they cost. I don't know how long they were doing. But you know, you know, I just knew who they were. And I've seen the comedy club and I knew it worked. And I knew it worked in that order. And I knew that he would be the last one on. I knew he would be the first I mean, one. So, do you know what I mean? I was just copying yeah, that. Yeah. And then, so then um, when I did the very first one, as I said a little bit earlier, I just booked headliners and just got everybody who was on my course to come and do it. So it was more or less an open mic night. Um, So it's just everybody's on the course who I thought were pretty good and would still be there. And funny enough, uh, people in my course was Julian Dean, um, Eri from Ginger and Black, uh, Caroline May be still going. I think that's it. But, there was, but at the time, there was two or three others that would still, that could be a comedian now if they wanted to do John Smith, for example, Andrew Wallace. Yeah. Could have all been comedians that just went different ways. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but now, uh, if you were to set up a gig now, you you know exactly who you want to see. So your taste of comedians represents what you like, right? So that would be uh, personal to you. But of course, you'll put that on in front of 250 people. 200 of them are going to agree with you. Yeah. So they're going to enjoy it as well, um, and that, that's one thing. I, whenever I'm booking gigs now, I don't look at anything else other than are they funny. I don't, I don't care who they are, I don't care where their background is, or whether they're rich, poor, whatever ethnicity they're from. I don't care. I just care if they're funny, because that to me is more important than anything else. Because yeah. I know how hard I work to be funny, and yeah. um, and it's and again I like I like helping people out. So because this gig's been running for fifteen years, it's seen it's seen a lot of generations come and go. So when it first started, Michael McIntyre and Mickey Flanagan weren't famous, but they would come a lot. So Michael would live around the corner. He'd come virtually every other week. Wow. And, and Mickey would come a lot. Um, Lee Mack used to come a lot because oh, yeah. they all live in this area. So then when, you know, Mickey and Michael got famous, they moved on. The next generation, Russell Howard came yeah, in. So yeah. Russell yeah. Howard, Greg yeah. Davis, all that before they were famous, they were coming down a lot. I mean, Russell was living in Leamington Spa, but would come every Monday. Yeah. Um, and then soon they get, they grow up, and they go, they get on the telly, and they move on, and then the next generation comes through. So like Romish and Josh,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: Joel, and that sort of. Thing. They all came through Kingston at the same time. Sean Walsh, um, and it's been, it's been a pleasure to be part of them and see them. I was going to say,
0: you must be very proud of what you've achieved. It's, it's
1: surprisingly. It sometimes catches you off guard. So, sometimes, so when it was 15 years, which I think was last year, yeah. I put, just put on Facebook, blimey, I've been running this book gig for 15 years, just a flipping comment. It wasn't like, hey, everyone, look at me, aren't I great? It was just like, wow, that's, that's yeah, gone quick. Yeah. And then loads of people started commenting about certain gigs they'd been at, and how it, and it, I didn't realize how important it was to other people. You know, I thought it was just for me, it was just like, it, let's just keep doing this, it's fun, right? And uh the comics love doing it, and they, 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 there's been loads of audience members that have yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, met their part. I loved
0: it when I went, absolutely yeah. loved it. It's, it's, as I say, it's a perfect room. Um, the bill was fantastic. Mm. I loved every minute of it yeah, and, and, and and also as well it's it's a bit similar to me with my blog. Another reason why I write the blog. I love watching comedians develop, mm. so you you can see them grow as they're doing more and more and more. I first yeah. saw McIntyre and um Mickey Flanagan at Edinburgh doing little tiny rooms before they became yeah. similar. Yeah. and Harry Hill I saw 30 years ago, Alan Davis the same, you know, and it's fascinating watching them grow and develop and yeah, because yeah. being a compare of a major comedy club, that must be wonderful.
1: Yeah, I mean it gets, it, the trouble with it, okay. <laughs> it, it, it <laughs> is that you become, you know, we get regulars, we get probably yeah. I, I would say 56% of the audience come every week regardless of who's on. Um, now, the problem with that is that they've heard everything I've ever said, and if they hear it twice, they're going, oh, I've heard this.
0: <laughs> I've, I've so, got a friend like that, I go to so many comps, so much, com- I've heard exactly. It. <laughs> so it, it does,
1: it forces you to keep coming up with stuff. So, yeah. but then also, if you haven't got time that week, I still feel like I'm shortchanging the audience because I, I don't just want to go, hello, mate, what's what's your name, what's your dude? Mm, Shit." Um, <laughs> I'd rather give them something somebody else a chance yeah, to come yeah. and have a go and comment and, and, yeah. Yeah, and the audience see a different flavour as well and it's it's um and also your tricks get discovered fairly quickly. If you're when you're comparing, as you'll probably see from, from James, he's got little tricks that he does every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have never seen them before, make, it looks like he's a genius. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we we all know there's just a, a trick that's up your sleeve. You know, <laughs> it's just one of those things. But it's but they get to see your tricks, you know. So it's it's you've got a it, it, it pushes you. A, it
0: is an amazing art form, comparing as opposed to um, uh, doing a routine. What what do you think makes a good compare?
1: Um, well, I think first and foremost you've got to realise that it's not all about you. Um, it's being I've always sort of related uh, uh, compare to being uh, the referee in a way or a goalkeeper so basically you're there to make sure everything else works properly yeah. so you got to, if you've got an ego about yourself lose that pretty sharpish because it's, it's not going to help the night so you've got to basically there's no real formula to it there's no right or, way or wrong way to do it. This is how I see it. This is how I do it. If I'm going to a new room that doesn't know me, the first thing I do is establish myself as a comedian first. So I'll go on and I'll do three to four, maybe five minutes of material that I know won't get much response because they're still freezing cold. What? When I've done that first five minutes, I now realise that they now realise that they trust me. I'm comfortable. I've got some jokes. Then I can go in and start talking to them try now not to be as negative as anything when i'm talking to somebody again for the example of what you do for a living i work in IT. oh that's fucking boring let's move on <laughs> you, know, you know it's funny but they that bloke feels shit so yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> my my view is I don't want to make anybody feel shit and I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable of course, yeah. on behalf of them either. So you'll see yeah. another classic massive mistake that people make uh, when they're quite early on, particularly in Edinburgh, they'll see a child in the audience of, I don't know, 10 or 12. Right. And the first thing an inexperienced uh, MC would do, oh, we've got a child in here. Straight away, you've made the whole room go on edge. Yeah. So now they're, they're there, judging everything you say by that child and their parent being there right so yeah. and again the first mistake they'll all make is oh what's your favorite swear word stand up say it to the microphone and it it just brings this real horrible vibe to the nerves them. nervy yeah, yeah and that's it yeah. so the best yeah. thing to do is just ignore just ignore the kids there because yeah. nobody else can see it apart from the person sat next to them mm-hmm. um, But yeah, so basically your your rules are is that you're there to warm up the audience to get it going. So once you've got it going, it's at a level where another company can come on and keep that ball in the air, keep the laughter as high as it would, then you get off and then you get the next one on. Um, And of course, you're also there to, if that person didn't do very well, you've got to bring it back up again. So you've got to be prepared to have another three or four minutes of, of quality stage time, you know, material to bring it back up to where it should be. And it's difficult. I was going to
0: say, you've got to know what you're doing because to get that back up again could be quite tough.
1: And comparing the Comedy Store, for example, for the weekend, that is a lot of effort because there's two shows on a Friday, two shows on a Saturday. You have to watch every comedian. You have to watch uh, every interaction with the audience. You have to listen to what anybody else has found out about anybody else's job. Um, you know so it's all those things that you have to be really aware of so you can call back on and, and also um, uh, use in your own uh, you know your own style of bands and stuff yeah, like that yeah,
0: yeah yeah
1: because and that's that's vital so if you're not watching it and I've made a few mistakes like that particularly at the comedy store where I didn't watch everybody and all of a sudden I'm out of the loop of something <laughs> when you, you've got that chance of calling it back you know <laughs>
0: um, the first time I ever went to the comedy store was 1988 and the compere yeah. was john maloney yeah 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 <clears throat> and the headliner was uh, charles fleischer uh, american who was never heard of again because he went off to voice roger rabbit oh, so wow. it was extraordinary it was this very loud um, funny voiced uh, character but I know I know what you're saying about the comedy Store. They have an eight o'clock show and a midnight show, so yeah. you have to be very wary of that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also just uh, be aware of um, who's on the bill because you know it's not like you do each other's material. That's not the point I'm making. You might have some, like, say for example, I've got a load of jokes about flying, and then the guy that's on after me he opens with a load of stuff about flying. You've got to bear that in mind, exactly, you know. So you're yeah. not treading on each other's toes. Similar, you've got to be... Yeah, yeah.
0: You're basically,
1: the, you're basically the one that's got to link everything together and not steal the show. The the good thing about the comedy store is it can be a, a compare's gig. You can be the star of the show, no problem without trying, because it's one of those they trust you first of all. Yeah. And it's almost as if it becomes your gig. But it's um but you've got to bear that in mind. And also, you know, i i again a mistake I made, I've got some stuff about going to Germany to do some gigs and having a go at the Germans. Well, not in a racist way but you know just not in a not in a particularly kind way
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> think what you mean
0: yeah <laughs> without, with,
1: but without thinking I, I was then interviewed introducing and Venn so oh, right of course
0: yes yeah no, I
1: just thought yeah. why isn't this working so well and then yeah, I realized yeah. it's because they're here to see Henning Venn yeah yeah um, so it's, yeah. Just, it's so just you've been got a... all
0: this to juggle as well as um uh entertain the audience
1: yeah, 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 there's a lot, there's a lot yeah. more to it than people realise, yeah, and it's, and you do have to, you do have to be flexible, you know, there's been times, in fact, again, sorry to go on about the comedy store, there was a time at the comedy store where, um, the toilets were blocked in the early show, so they couldn't, nobody could use the toilet, so we had to get the show finished as soon as possible, <laughs> um, so we could get, get them fixed and then do the late show, so yeah, we, yeah. we can we finished that show about 45 minutes early, um, and then we went. We started the late show. Uh, we managed to get it fixed. We started the late show, but nobody had told the last act that the, the times had shifted. So, I'm, <laughs> so I'm comparing. I'm going on in a like second to last. Well, the last section, and introduced the first act and then the open spot didn't turn up as well which is very rare and then I've said to them well where's the headline at and they went well not here so just go on we'll give you a red light when they get here so I then had to go on I did another 40 minutes
0: good grief
1: on top of already done about 25 to 30 you must
0: have been shattered it was terrified. it was
1: do you know, it was actually better for me because it meant I know I haven't got five minutes. I've got to take my time with this. So I slowed down a lot. <laughs> I relaxed a lot more. I sat down a couple of times. You know, <laughs> it, it was because I didn't know when they were coming. And I yeah. honestly, I went, I, I might run out of material here. So I've got to take my time with this. And I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Good to the point on, where I, I wouldn't man. have expected to, you know. To the point where I want to do that more, you know. And it's like
0: it, okay. It, it reminds me of the story of how the two Ronnies were noticed because they had to ad lib at the London Palladium because the, right. the other acts were on, and Bill Cotton was in the audience and, and he said, "Oh, these are really good. They're just ad libbing," and they signed them up there and then. Wow. Amazing.
1: Well, that's the thing you never know, yeah. you never know who's in the audience
0: and I think that's the beauty of live performance as well because you never know what's going to happen that's and the that's, magic of
1: it, and yeah. that's one of the biggest bits of advice I'd give to anybody going to Edinburgh, especially when they're getting a bit fed up because they're only getting five or six in. Yeah, you know, don't worry about it. One of them could be the head of Channel Four.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: you, you have to play every one of those gigs as if you're playing in front of the yeah, exactly you know, of Apollo.
0: Yeah, too right. Let's move on to Edinburgh. Let's talk more about Edinburgh. I I go to the Edinburgh Festival every year, and it's my holiday. I go for a week, and I see about fifty shows i need holiday when i come back i see something right. <laughs> yeah that um, is harsh what was your first edinburgh festival fringe like can you describe it yeah the first
1: first one uh what year was that that would have been 2007 right i think yeah so basically me and nathan caton shared a uh free festival hour right in the counting house so it's like a little 50 seater yeah
0: yeah, been, yeah
1: um, it's great. And, and nathan just this it was called Paramount Comedy Channel at the time. Now Comedy Central. Nathan just had like four short uh, films or short videos yeah, yeah. on Paramount Comedy Channel. And when you when you're doing a free festival or free fringe, what's really easy to sell is it's got a TV credit. So all you got to do is as seen on Paramount Comedy, and they take it. Whether they're going to come or not, they'll take it because they trust. Again, you link to whatever. Right. Where's you know, mine would be as seeing on Mock the Weeks so and now people would go, "Oh, okay," because they trust the Mock the Week. You know, so we didn't have a problem with that. We were we were filling the room, fifty seater, every day, five o'clock show. Uh, very naively called our show uh, "The Honky and the Wog," <laughs> which uh, we got we got we got a lot of people coming because the the the, the title had made people laugh. Yeah. And, <laughs> In hindsight, I would never do that again. No, I know. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, bear in mind, this was, you know, this was 14 years ago. Yeah. 15 years ago. So it was, it was, you know, different, but I wouldn't do it again. No. But I remember, I remember, I didn't really realize how much that impact would have because right. we were all standing in a bar and it's mine and Nathan's show and I'll stand next to Joe Wilkinson and... Uh, we didn't really announce it as that. We just said Matthew Brown and, and Nathan Caton, but nobody told this woman who was doing the announcer in the bar to say the next show was ready. So she said to a full bar about 100 people, ladies and the honking and the now <laughs> <laughs> So me and Joe jo, jo Wilkinson started <laughs> laughing our heads off. I went, I've got to stop that. I didn't realise what this, was, what this <laughs> has become. Um, but then, so yeah, but then, so what was happening? Our first year, it was, again, it was a free festival. We were doing really well, filling yeah. the bucket, filling the... We are doing a half hour each. Um, I didn't really have half an hour to be told. I had 20, so I'd do banter for 10 and then 20 minutes and Nathan would smash it. Um, I mean, I can understand. I was talking to other people who were going, I only had three people in. I went, how? What? Why? We're getting... It's the first time we've ever done it. And of course, the difference between doing a show at the Pleasants at 10 o'clock at night and charging people 15 quid a ticket, as opposed to this is free, come and have a look at it. Um, you know, very different things. So that was my first experience of Edinburgh. It yeah. was a positive experience. But then I went back the... Year after, I did AAA, which is a package show in the Pleasants. It's yeah. quite a prestigious um, package show. It ba- it's basically the, the Pleasants going, these are the people we're going to have doing an hour next year. Yeah. I going to get a taste of them. And it was the first time I'd headlined anything as well and I had to work my nuts off because the two guys I was on with um, were bringing an air raid game and they were doing 20 minutes. So I'm going on at 40 minutes where everyone's bored and tired and want to stretch and leave. So you have to, you know, that that was a real hard time. I had to really work the first sort of 10 days, I had to really really work on the act. And the good thing about it is at the end of it, it was absolutely bulletproof. So when I went back into the clubs, it was bang, bang, bang. and then i missed out the year after that, and then I went back for my first solo show, but that was horrendous. I was a terrible, terrible era. Um, I went, right. I was, uh, well, I wasn't, I, I'm not necessarily going to say I was badly advised, but I did follow advice, which I thought was correct. Um, and I went with Phil McIntyre um, and um, went in a Pleasance attic at night, 10 o'clock, I think it was at night. And I sh- up there horrible but I'd I'd, I'd written a show specifically for the Edinburgh Festival about something close to me my mum had died and it was about the dad coping with it and it wasn't. I wouldn't even have that skills now. You know, this was 10 yeah. years on. I wouldn't be able to write a show like that now. And so I'd written everything. I'd only done three previews before I'd got there. Oh, the mate. show was rubbish. So after about a week, I just threw that away and just did material. But it, it was too late. The damage had been done. The, the, all the reviews were two stars. And Phil McIntyre pretty much went, no, nah, not this year, mate. No. <laughs>
0: um, but again, it's all experience. I think. I think to be a better comedian, you have to go through that.
1: Absolutely, and it made me realise just how hard I hadn't worked mm. when I thought I'd worked hard. Mm. You know, i would got the show together in the January, um, but just didn't work on it throughout because it was—it wasn't a show where you could take bits out and go and try it in a club. Yeah, it, it all had that. It was all part of one lump thing. You know, it wasn't—it wasn't like five minutes on mushroom picking that could fall yeah, into it yeah, or yeah. something it's, like that. You know, it was all yeah. very specific to the thing. Um, and it's, uh, again, it's, it was a real good learning curve. I just wish it hadn't been the first Edinburgh, you know, where you get a chance to make the impact. Um, yeah. But other than that, but that was the worst time ever. Other than that, I've really enjoyed Edinburgh since then. I've go place. quite
0: regularly since then. Have you been? Yeah, there? I've been yeah.
1: virtually every year. I think I've missed three in the last right. 14 years. Oh, um, yeah. And I've done different things each time I go up. I've done a solo show, of just stand up. I've done a, a, a story show. I've done a sketch show. Um, I did um, a. Yeah, yeah. yeah, me and Milo McKay did a show together, which. Uh, was sort of like a spoof chat show i was yeah. the host and yeah. he was all the, he was all the guests and, and that got quite a lot noticed you know that we've got to the final of i can't remember what competition it was but one of the not the main one but one of the competitions up there um, yeah and it meant we meant we had to do 15 minutes of it and it was packed industry it was really great we got a meeting out of it for um uh i can't remember steve coogan's company's name but
0: baby cow
1: well, you can so yeah. yeah, we had a minute well, uh, they approached Milo about having a meeting with him and, and he went. Um, so it definitely, you know, and I got asked about representation as well. So it can I, make a huge difference to you, Edinburgh. It really can, I think. It, I
0: think that's the key. What it does give you is the exposure. It can yeah. it can cost a hell of a lot and and I don't think you go up there for a for financial gain, but you do go <laughs> up there to be noticed.
1: Yeah, uh, be be careful with that as well because I I reckon I've spent over hundred grand on Edinburgh I mean, for a long time yeah, for three yeah, years. Yeah. Three years I was spending <laughs> yeah. honestly for three years I was spending about twenty five grand a year on Wow. It because it's it not that it's, bad. No, it's, it's, uh, it was inexperienced Rich that was the thing it was inexperienced I just assumed I've got to spend 10 grand on marketing and PR yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. you really don't you know those yeah. those things are predetermined before you get up there anyway Yeah. yeah. and so what if you've got a, a two minute interview on Edinburgh shipping FM yeah
0: yeah yeah,
1: yeah. nobody's listening to it and nobody's going to go oh, I want to go and see that show because of that
0: the, yeah, the biggest exactly. thing in Edinburgh exactly.
1: the biggest thing in Edinburgh is make the show Good as you possibly can yeah. and let people talk about it you know if you if you think you're as good as you're going to be then spend the money on the marketing but it's yeah. it's it's a bit of a risk until you know you've got something that you're really really proud of don't bother with any of that shit they'll find you
0: <laughs> let's move on to more about um your warming up a tv audience mm-hmm. um as you say you've written for shooting stars and mock the week uh, and most recently I saw you on the panel of Mock the Week mm-hmm. because um, one of the guests couldn't be there and you miraculously stood in and were absolutely brilliant, if I may say so.
1: Oh, thanks, mate. I appreciate you saying that.
0: How did that, how, how were you feeling when they asked you, come on and do it? <laughs>
1: Well, I got about twenty minutes notice, so they, they told me it's they told me it's six o'clock. Wow, we, we start. Up. as the warm-up? I go on at twenty past six. And I then hand it on to the producer who does five minutes. He then hands it to Dar, and then we start to show at six thirty. So at six o'clock, they said, so "Yeah, knocked on the door." went, you, you're going on, and I I knew that there was a possibility of this. I've been for the last two years. I'm what they call the, the sub, I suppose. So. I'd prepare as if I'm gonna go on the yeah, show yeah, each week.
0: Yeah. So um, you weren't I, completely blind.
1: I, uh, yeah. no, but I wasn't um i I'll be honest with you, I hadn't put as much effort in and, until this series because obviously with the COVID, they they phoned me up I don't know, two or three months before I said, Look, you're gonna get on it. So yeah. you don't don't mess your chance, basically. That's what they were kind of saying. And I, with this is the fifth or fifth week in. So for the first four weeks, I'd worked so hard. I felt a little bit sort of demoralised that nothing was going to happen you know so that week in particular I did most of the prep but I didn't prep the news bit What right so I mean normally when you watch the show the news bit's only about three minutes of the whole show anyway and there's there's seven people trying to talk about the news so it, it's not a massive uh, you won't be missed out on the show a great deal no, because no, I was because no. I, I was still doing the stand up and the scenes and uh, you know the answer is and picture rounds so there's loads in there so it didn't really matter that much I just was annoyed at myself for not having it. But anyway, so um the first week they phoned me up and my call time, which means the time you need to be there, is normally 5 p.m. And they phoned me up at midday on the first one said, can you get here now? <laughs> uh, I'm and just having my lunch. Yeah, they, but, but, they, <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't tell me why. They just said, can you get here now? So I'm like, right, well, obviously, he's going on the show. So... <laughs> I drove from my house at the time, was uh, New Malden to Elstree, which was about an hour. Yeah. Um, just the whole time thinking, fuck, I'm getting on the show, I'm getting on a show, I'm getting on the show. <laughs> they get a bit more nervous, you know, a bit a bit anxious, but good nerves, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when I got to the studio, they went, oh, yeah, you know how to use Zoom, don't you? Can you just show us how to do this bit? I was like, fucking you <laughs> <hell." laughs> oh, know. Oh, oh, come on, guys. Um. And then it's but then when I got the chance, you know, like I said, it was important to be ready for it, and it's I've been ready for that for years. And that sounds a bit ro- it, it, Rocky Mountain.
0: You were superb on it. I was laughing out loud. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Really, it, it was it, it it was great. And, yeah. and um, you, you had to go up and do your little comedy bit as well in in yeah. the show. You weren't just sitting on the panel. You you were one of the two that were chosen to go up and do the comedy. The, yeah uh, which which again the routine was excellent
1: thanks mate yeah again it's, it's just stuff that you you sort of you have in the back pocket yeah, anyway yeah. stuff that you do <laughs> on a comedy club. but it's just it was pleasure what i really wanted to do is one joke i was desperate to get on telly uh, because I, I you know i knew i wrote i'd written it i know four or five years ago and it's such a great joke and, and a lot of comics go well i wish i had that joke and i have seen people Nick it and bastardize it. So I was so pleased to get that one joke on the telling. That was a protein shake joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, (laughs) but now to bed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't done that joke since. To be honest, (laughs) because. Because it's one of those ones that people, everybody that was messaging me on Twitter that after it had been out on on the telly was all about, that joke's amazing, that joke's amazing. So it's dead now, because everyone's going to go use that joke as their own. So it's going to be one of those full circle ones where if I say it, people are going, oh, you've nicked that off the telly. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually mine, but it doesn't matter. But it's good though, it's good that it's out there. You just have to get it out there. It's gone now and just come up with another one.
0: Yeah. So um, what ambitions do you have, if any, as a comedian? You've well, been a successful um, comedy club. You've been on TV. Would you like your own TV show?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's well, that was always been the case. So right. I'm quite obsessed with um, the late night shows in America. You yeah. know, I, I love David Letterman, and yes, I always but... wanted to have a David Letterman style show. That right. was all. Always- and I about 10 years ago I made a very quick pilot of me interviewing Stephen Merchant um but I paid for it all myself it was like 3 grand Steve was great Brilliant. everybody everybody did it did it for like you know cost uh, of you know not, not normal cost of what they do it for they did it for Mace Race yeah. um, and it looked amazing it came out great um But again, because I didn't have a producer, didn't know what I was doing, there were so many mistakes when you look back at it, but that's okay because it's there and it exists. Um, And then, funnily enough, I spoke to, um, there's a production company, uh, based in Manchester, who've just been given a load of money and they want to make shows for YouTube and social media only. And I said to them, "This is what I want to do, but I want to do it as a, a low budget thing. A bit like if you think like TFI Friday, cross yeah. with the late, cross with the late show. That's kind of what the idea is going to be. We're going to do it all in the fighting cocks. So we're going to use every part of the fighting cocks. So the bar will be where the bar is, and people will be in the audience there, and there'll be some interviews taking part That'll in that. Brilliant! It's, yeah. it's going to be yeah. it's going to be a, a rude barman who's also going to interview one of the guests." <laughs> would we'll just be really rude to them constantly um you know and then loads of little features and then a the roundup, you know the five minute stand up round up and, and then uh, interview behind the desk and some features and stuff and i'm really looking forward to getting going we, we put it on the back see till the social distance is gone because yes it, yeah yeah it, w- it won't work unless it's in that packed little pub you know um yeah, yeah. back to normal so hopefully it that'll get going soon it's a
0: really good idea
1: I'm really looking forward to it and I really I can't wait to get going on it and yeah, I sort of on. said to me let's just make it I don't care about money or anything let's just see how it goes see how you do. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah, thanks mate. I'm really looking forward to doing that. But also I want to feel the Apollo as a stand-up. That's always been oh, yes. it's yeah. always been the dream. It's always been one of those initially i it's all my my ambitions have gone up as I'm going through. So initially when I first started my first ambition was I just want to play the comedy store. You know, and it, that that came not not quickly, but within six years of doing it, I was a paid uh comedy store actor. You go in and out, you know, you can sometimes you get one every two years, sometimes you get five in six months, you know, yeah, it's just the way they're yeah, yeah, booking. Yeah, <laughs> But, uh, so that was the first goal. And once I'd done that, I realised that I'd set the bar too low. You know, as much as comedy story is amazing, and it was such a great experience to be in there. But then you go, as soon as all these people walk out this door, they're not going to know who I am. They're not going to remember who I am. They don't know my name. You know, and it's not necessarily about the ego of being famous. It's more about being respected for what you do. Exactly, yeah. Um, So I'm not into all the, you know, you've got to be in every, every, you know, the, the one show and you've got to present. Yeah, you know, crime watch. I'm not interested in doing any of that. I want to be respected as a comedian. Yeah, I want to be right. well people to come and see me at the Apollo. That's the that's the big aim. Yeah,
0: brilliant. Well, that's that's fantastic. Um, we're all living in strange times. It's it's awful at the moment for the creative industry. Um, how have you found online gigs as opposed to live stand-up?
1: Yeah, well, we've gone through a different sort of. Um, uh, how would I put that? So, we've it's it started to so where it started and where it is now are very, very different places. So, we've gone through different stages of how we did them. So, the first time we did them for the first four or five, we did them without an audience. Yeah, it was it was almost like a TV show, you're just literally playing yeah. to the camera, hoping someone are laughing. And, of course, with the feedback of uh, social media, you do get to hear what they're saying and the chat function, but it would just didn't feel right. It no. felt very stifled and very pointless um, and then speaking to James Gill he said well we have a front row so now oh, was that involved and he oh, explained right. it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah you're one of them and then he explained, explained how that works and then we tried that a few times and Tim who uh yeah. t- expert, James started with us. He was working with yeah, us before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, James gave him a, a proper job. <laughs> we were just giving him bits and pieces to do. So Tim set it up for us as well. And it, he worked out how to manage the audience, and, you know, mute the people that keep talking to their dog or whatever. Um, and it's different. It's a different skill. Again, it's, a, that's where the warm up and the yeah. come in come into it because you'll see a lot of comedians that are so script driven. They, they don't ad lib at all. They don't certainly don't talk to the audience. So those those kind of acts still work, providing you don't get thrown by someone's microwave going off in the background. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And it takes. I've got to be honest, it's, it's I'm good with it, but it t- it takes a while to get used to them, and it takes a while. To, sometimes you'll say something that you know is a belter of a joke, and it gets nothing. And reason being is because someone in
0: that
1: screen over over there has sneezed and it's it's, 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 yeah it's it's taken three seconds out of your dialogue and that three (laughs) seconds was so important so you just got to be prepared and think on your feet a lot more than you did before but in terms of getting the um uh getting a a rush out them you do still you know i did last last friday no it wasn't it was last thursday last thursday we did our we did one for sonic mill theatre which is one of the theatres we normally use and it was one of the best gigs i've ever had you know because they were all the first time they'd seen it, it was, they were all really up for it they really enjoyed it we had milton on who was closing mm-hmm. it but they were so lovely um and willing and happy yeah, for it yeah, to work yeah yeah you know i the, think the...
0: i think as well you've got an audience that uh so want to be cheered up because they're at mm. home they can't do anything Yeah um, and a, a lot you know, of comments that helps enormously
1: Yeah and a lot of comments were, were similar to that Rich saying that they've, It's only so much Netflix and telly they can watch and this it felt like an event it felt like a gig you know it felt like they were involved yeah. in it and it was live and it's happening right now Yeah, and, you yeah. Know, I, don't, even though, I don't
0: know how I would have I would get through lockdown without this yeah. online comedy shows um, I absolutely love, but for me you can't beat live, but this is the best substitute for that. Yeah, c- certainly, to c- certainly when I first started going to them, you're right, there was no audience audio at all and uh, i was just laughing at four walls silently i thought I was yeah. going to get taken away but uh, <laughs> as soon as they opened it up i thought yeah. this is wonderful you know so, and it, but, it does
1: make a big difference yeah. it, the, the, it was tech and it makes a huge difference because if they can get who you're talking to on the screen at the same time or. Yeah. Put them on whilst you're talking to them. he's yeah, like brilliant. He really
0: yeah, is. Such a Tim good is yeah. I've
1: gutted, I've lost him to be honest with you. But Sean he's taken over, he's 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 good and he's he's figuring that bit out. Yeah, it yeah. T- yeah. took Tim a while to get to, but he's brilliant at it. But it's just um it's just the the, the uh, hearing the audience laugh, I think, is vital on them. Oh without a doubt. Yeah
0: just like, chatting to them as well like this, you know, if somebody's yeah. there, you're talking to them, you know, but but the laughter is extraordinary because I always say I've got a trademark laugh obviously but it's not just me and that's yeah. wonderful to see to, and to hear the others laugh on that front yeah. row is extraordinary
1: and also it is keeping your skills sharp because yeah. I, again I was talking to uh, the guy that compared on Saturday uh is excellent and you'll know him and he is excellent I'm not going to name him but he's, he's brilliant he's one of my best mates but he made a few mistakes and because of that it took the gig took a turn and it's because yeah. you you're expecting everybody to be on your wavelength because you've, you reset every gig. You reset, you when you go on first, it's the same principle. What talks about the compra, and you're there to make sure everyone else is happy. And I just made a few mistakes, don't get me wrong, absolutely destroyed the gig as soon yeah, as it worked. Yeah, and yeah. um, was brilliant. But it's just those things where you go. Oh, why are they not getting involved? Oh, it's because I haven't done that, <laughs> you know. So it, it's literally, sometimes you just need to tell them how to behave. Yeah. Because if yeah. you've got an audience of fifteen people and fourteen of them have never been in a Zoom like, gig or never been they in the they front of what they're doing, yeah, you know, yeah they don't exactly. know how to behave. Yeah. So it's about education, about telling them what's expected of them, and so so I said to him afterwards, I treat every. When I'm comparing now, I treat it as if it's a TV warm-up. Yeah, yeah. It it will compare in a certain degree, but then it's about educating them how to behave in certain places, you know. Um, And it's that makes a big difference, of
0: course. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like me, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience?
1: No, (laughs) no. Um, I do. I'm not one of those comics who's. dismissive of anybody else if i'm at the gig i watch everyone that's on it yeah, and that's no, where yeah. I'm, I'm comparing or not i'll watch yeah. them anyway because I, I, i'm a massive fan of comedy yeah. i still enjoy watching comedy i still enjoy watching um stand-ups live and it doesn't matter who they are and sometimes you might see something that they haven't seen so i like sharing a little you know add-on or callback yeah, yeah. and stuff like that that doesn't happen as much as it used to but it's it's, it's fun when it does and then you you Become friends out of it as well, and then sometimes yeah, it helps it you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't the only time I will pay to go and watch it is if it's someone you know, like iconic, like Billy Connolly. Went to go see Billy Connolly at the uh at the Apollo yeah, on his amazing. last gig that he did that, yeah, and it was just phenomenal. Yeah, and you I now watch it from a different point of view. I'm not an audience member, I'm watching it from a you know comedian's point of view. Yeah. Um, but just
0: phenomenal, it you know. Extraordinary, yeah, I it's in to... the top five, definitely.
1: Absolutely, yeah. you know, I think the last Last couple of paid to go and see. Uh, we went Frank Skinner, I think, at um, Leicester Square. Yeah. yeah, he was very good. Um, I think I might have gone to Catherine go Ryan in the West End. Yeah, I can't remember, can't remember if I paid for that or not. I don't think I did. Yeah. I think that might have been a freebie, but hey, it is I went to go see it. Very good, very funny. She's always she was brilliant before. Again, she used to come down to Kingston before anyone yeah. knew who she was. Yeah. and I, I remember at the time thinking she's fucking good. Huh? She's beautiful. Yeah, 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 she is.
0: She is very um,
1: good. You know, and it was she wasn't smashing it with the audiences, but you could just tell the, the way her persona is and the way that she just didn't give a shit about anyone. No. <laughs> That's
0: what I like.
1: She's absolutely fearless. She's yeah. absolutely fearless and brilliant with it. You know, yeah. and she yeah, just okay. Yeah. I saw her do a, the first few Mock the weeks. You know and she uh when you when you go into mock the week for the first time it's very difficult and she went in when it was a bit more cliquey it's not as cliquey as it, as it is now uh, as it was then um, and so and the full audience and it basically if if you see the new person do their first show ever if they don't get a laugh on the first two or three attempts you, you just see them shrivel you know and they, they don't say anything for the rest of the show until it's, it's time to, to laugh out, Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. <laughs> and, until it's until they go to do the scenes when they've got to do it. You know, yeah, you don't yeah, have to talk to them on yeah. the panel when it's doing the scenes the folks only... and Catherine I saw her do that two or three times she got nothing. Um, but didn't stop. Was yeah. absolutely ruthless. Kept yeah. bang, bang, bang. And eventually she got one that got a clap. Guess which one made the edit. Yeah, the one that got the clap, made the edit, and she looked brilliant on it because wow. she knew how to play it. She knew how to play the game. She knew it wasn't about what was happening in this room. She knew it was about what's going to be looking on the telly. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so it's all right. If you if you fail on five, but you get one in, that's all right. That's um,
0: fascinating. There's it? not many There's
1: not many comedians that will be comfortable doing that. No, no,
0: no. Um, Just before we go, is there anything else you would like to say? Um, any... Writing any uh, the, the online gigs, obviously outside the box. Where can people find you on social media, that sort of thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, social media is all at Math Brown. It's M A F F Brown.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, at Math Brown. And yeah, the gigs we're doing every Friday and Saturday at the moment, which is outside the box, comedy.co.uk. Um, we are doing a charity gig this Thursday, which um, for Love Kingston uh, and their charity foundation. Um, and all the tickets are only six quid anyway. So even if it's shit, just pay for charity. Well, I'm <laughs> um,
0: going to be there, my friend. I yeah, will, thanks, so, mate. I will no. come along very, very soon. Probably this Saturday, actually. Okay, Sorry.
1: so we're not actually on this Saturday. Sorry, I made a mistake. We're here Friday. Well, there isn't it's, Thursday. One this... <laughs> it's Thursday and Friday this week, and it is every other Friday and Saturday. So, because right, well. we, we're doing the charity gig, we moved it to the Thursday. Oh,
0: the Thursday. Well, yeah. I, I wish you every success. I've so much enjoyed talking to you. I Likewise, really Rich. am. Thank you so, so much for this.
1: Absolute pleasure. Well done. Thank you for doing it. It's really. it's real pleasure to talk to somebody who really cares about comedy and you know i mean your history of however long you've been watching it is fascinating i'd love to read about that as well so i'm gonna have a look at your your blog mate so thank you very much
0: thank you mate and all the best to you likewise take care thank you so much for listening to a rich comic life podcast and i hope you've enjoyed the interview if you did please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review You can also watch the video interview on my YouTube channel. More comedians interviews will be added to both the podcast and my YouTube channel every weekend. Please go to www.arichcomiclife.blog to access the menu for all my blogs, the YouTube videos, the podcast and more and please keep listening, watching and reading about my experiences of watching stand-up comedy. Thanks again and best wishes, Richard Gill.